If you are a businesswoman working to amplify your six and seven figure business from success to significance, then you know it's not just about the right strategies or the right tactics. It's more and more about high caliber people around you, your team, your collaborators, and advisors that can open doors for you and widen your reach. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast with your hosts, Dr. Monica Ogando and Amy Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of your Circle of Influence podcast. I am your co-host, Dr. Monica Ogando. And I am your co-host, Amy Walker, and today we have another great episode for you. I'm super excited to talk about this. We are talking today about healing momentum. Your meaning in life and winning in business is really going to be enhanced if you can understand this process of healing past hurts and traumas Mm -hmm. is what sets the momentum and allows you to be able to accelerate your growth and your progress in life, in business. Um, I see this happen in myself first and foremost. I also see it in my clients. Uh (laughs) I also see it in family members. But when we are holding on to past disappointment, past frustration, past hurt, past failure, all of those things, it's like they just kind of put the brakes on the momentum. Mm -hmm. So when we want to open up that momentum, we got to go back and we got to do the past work in order to be able to progress forward. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give a story. Yes. And this is a ridiculous story. Oh, okay. I'm a little embarrassed about okay. it. But um, when I was early, an early entrepreneur, I was selling makeup mm-hmm. in a direct sales company. Mm-hmm. And I had a roommate from college that I reached out to and invited her to come to this event. And I thought it'd be really fun to see her. I thought she'd like to be there. And she got really offended because she felt like I hadn't called her in months. And the only reason I called her was to sell her something. And that like that moment, it was like I this little um, belief hooked into my brain. Yeah. And the belief was that um, if you're going to be good at sales, you're going to also be insecure or like insincere. Um, mm. You hurt other people mm. and people don't trust you. And so it was like this really damaging. I mean, can you think of more damaging beliefs around sales? And so for like the next few months, I carried that with me. And in every interaction that I was having, I was remembering in that that story and that feeling in the back of my mind, because I felt terrible. I felt literally terrible that she had felt that way. And I, I made her uncomfortable. Like I didn't, that was not my intention. And so I'm carrying that with me. Do you think that my sales conversations were effective? Right, exactly. Of course not. <laughs> they were not good. I will just tell you that they were not no. good. Yeah. And I, I had to um, identify and heal that in order to be able to create a new context, which is, I f- believe now, and this is what is true. Like most of the time, people are excited to talk with me. Like mm-hmm. they're excited to talk about their strategy. They are mm-hmm. grateful for the time that we spend together. Um, It's a service. It's the first way that I get to serve people is on that sales conversation. So I had to heal the broken thought in order to be able to grab hold of the Mm, new results. Yeah. 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so how did you do that? Uh, well, it took a while. First mm-hmm. of all, some of these things, and we all have them, you guys, they're kind of buried because you've been living with them for a long time. Here's my second embarrassing story of today. <laughs> okay. Uh, I stepped on a piece of glass at one point in time and couldn't get it out and didn't go to the doctor. Why? I don't really recall. I think it was probably like, I'm so busy. It will work its way out. And then I started adjusting how I walked so that I wouldn't step on that piece of glass. Mm -hmm. And it did eventually come out, but it was like six months later. And I remember Mm -hmm. when it finally came out, taking a step and being like, oh my gosh, it doesn't hurt when I walk. That's crazy. Like I I had, I had forgotten that it was there and I had gotten used to it hurting a little bit every time I walked and like stepping differently in order to facilitate that instead of just going to the doctor and removing it. Mm. So the first (laughs) part of this is it is a lot easier to just be like, oh crap, I stepped on some glass. I should go to the doctor and remove that. Like Mm -hmm. quick cleanup is easier. If, if you're paying attention to Wow, that was disappointing. Wow, that hurt. Oh, I just failed right there. And you're actually processing the emotion proactively as things come. Yeah. That's easier. Yeah. But the old stuff, you do have to do a little bit of uncovering because you've been with it so long, it feels normal. Mm. Yep. I have a few of those. How do you find yours when they've been there a while? Um. I tend I tend to just like audit myself and in areas just regularly. That's just a good yeah. Just, just like how we do decluttering, we do spring cleaning in the house, and you know we change the decorations for Christmas or Thanksgiving, whatever. I t- I tend to do that lo- that level of self audit for myself, and then because I know also that even those things are have been there may have been there for a long time. Maybe it's not time to pluck it out mm-hmm. yet. Maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I'm not willing. Maybe I still have some emotional attachment to it. Maybe I have an addiction to it or whatever the case may be. But I do not force myself to plug something out that I do not feel prepared to do. And until, right, until the pain of hanging on to it becomes more uh, painful, you know, um, becomes a higher price than doing the work that I need to do to extract it. So so there's that. There's the audit piece. Um, The second piece is, and what that looks like, in terms of auditing myself is what am I getting out of that? And what am I pretending not to know about that? Um, because your body also will let you know your body is a, is a great thermometer for where you are emotionally and, and uh, mentally and spiritually. Uh, they worked in tandem. And so there may be something that was okay before. And now today you said it and now it hits different. Mm-hmm. And I pay attention to those clues. Right. Um, the other thing that I do is that I give myself a lot of solitude. I do not, I no longer, cause I used to, I no longer allow myself a barrage, an overwhelming barrage of stimulus of dopamine yeah. hits, scrolling mindlessly on social media, et cetera. I just, it's okay to be bored. It's okay to stare at the wall. <laughs> and I know that stepping away from a screen and just staring at the wall, sometimes that's when my best ideas come or my or some inspiration or when I can be quiet enough to listen. It's gotten to the point now, Amy, where I'm like, if you're going to disturb my peace, I need you to go. Whoever, <laughs> friend, lover, dog, you know what I mean? Like, just listen. 
Um, and so I also allow myself some time to grieve, to be scared, mm-hmm. to be unwilling to throw a temper tantrum. Sometimes these things I do by myself. Ain't nobody trying to hear all that, Monica. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, because I remember one time reading in a book, we typically, the, the adults that grow up to be lone rangers and to think that they have to do it all ourselves mm-hmm. are typically children whose emotional needs were neglected. And yeah. as soon as I read that, I immediately recognized myself. And I was like, yeah, when I was little, it was hush all that stuff. Anybody try- like I just said it. I just said it to you. That was my mother talking to me, you know, when I was little. Ain't nobody trying to hear that. Um, and so I allow myself time to throw the temper tantrum that I couldn't have when I was six or seven or eight or nine or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. To be afraid and have somebody kind of like, it's okay. It's all right. You, you got this. Sometimes you got to do that to yourself. Sometimes yeah. ain't nobody there to do it for you. Um, and that the opportunity is to if it's up then it's ready for be to be released right because we spend so much of our culture suppressing ignoring mm-hmm. denying neglecting etc then it's like by the time that it's an octopus on your face it, it graduation is not far behind right. <laughs> <laughs> it's up it's up for a reason <laughs> so stop yeah. denying this right and do the work and roll up your sleeves um the other part is also that um, I have become less and less resistant as I've gotten older to the process, to the journey and not be so outcome focused. Yeah. I think sometimes we tend to do this whole like, okay, like, let's hurry up and do this so we can just get to the part where I'm fixed or when yeah. I'm done with this or where I no longer have to deal with this. And it's like, no, it's like car maintenance. I have to put oil in you so you'll go a little bit farther. So I'm going to find just enough to give you what you need to keep going. Yeah. And and we treat ourselves like a transaction. We treat ourselves like an object of our own agenda, of a mechanism of our own agenda. And I just, I, I've gotten much more, I've gotten softer with myself in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, and I've also, it's funny because it's like, I've gotten softer, but I've also gotten more rigorous. Yeah. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Because there yes. have been times when I'm yeah, like, because it's like gentle, but the boundaries are strong. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes people have it like your boundaries are supposed to be like doors mm-hmm. and you can't go to this room and you can't go to that room and this isn't available to you. And to me, it's more like fences. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the backyard is huge. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of room in here. But if you get through that fence, you're going to cut yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. So here's my, just a couple of, I, I think I want to frame this with a couple of beliefs that I have that help okay. me in this process. Okay. So the number one belief that I have is my job is not to be the physician and mm. I'm not the healer. Um, but mm. my job is to find it because I think a lot of people are afraid that when they start looking for those past hurts, it's going to be too hard to heal and they won't be able to do it and it will be overwhelming. So yeah. like, keep it in the trunk, you know, like as yeah. long as I don't have to see the dead body, it's fine. Yeah. I know it stinks and I don't like the smell, but let's just keep it back there. Mm-hmm. So instead I'm like, okay, my job is to find it and to gain awareness of it. And then I take that to God and I'm like, all right, I found it. Here's the old hurt. 
Um, is there anything you want me to do with that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to forgive. Mm-hmm. Usually that's my part is to forgive. And then, and then like ask for the healing to come. Can you yeah. heal this for me? Heal me. Right. right. Um, so I go to the doctor instead of trying to be the doctor. And mm-hmm. sometimes that looks like a spiritual process. Sometimes that looks like you need counseling. Sometimes that looks like, um, you know, maybe you need to have a mentor that you can talk about like a life coach with, or w- that's going to look different depending on what it is that we're dealing with. If this is like childhood trauma that, that might require an actual doctor, right? Yeah, some support. Um, but I'm not the doctor. That's not what my job is in this. Um, the second belief that I have is that I don't have to fix all the things at once. Mm-hmm. But I call this the root principle. So um, I don't really love yard work. I am actually allergic to almost all plants. So when I go out and I do yard <laughs> oh work, God. I come inside and my eyes are puffy and swollen and I'm crying and my yeah. nose is all. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not my favorite thing to do, but um, I really feel bad when my husband's out there weeding by himself. So Aww. if I ever see Steven out there weeding, I go out and help him. There's Aww. this one weed that grows that I love. I'm like, oh, let me get that one because it's interconnected with its root system. So if you pull, when you pull it out, you pull out the whole thing. And I don't know what it is, but it kind of like runs across the ground and you can make an immediate difference in a short period of time. But it also grows back really fast. So if you don't get the weeds, you can easily rip off the top. And in days, it's all right back there. Mm. Um, So what I look for is all of the weeds that I can see above the surface. And then I ask, what's the one root that if I were to work on that one thing, I could clear up a lot of stuff in my life. So for example, if it is um, like if you have a a self-worth issue, Mm-hmm. Self-worth manifests in all areas of your life. It shows mm-hmm. up in your money. It shows up in your business. It shows up in your relationships. It shows up in your health. And so instead of trying to fix my health, fix my money, fix my relationships, I try to fix my self-worth. Mm. And again, I go to the physician. Like <laughs> I'm not the doctor, but my job is to say, I can see this common thread Um, like I'm the common denominator in my life. And so I'll look at all the things that are going on inside of my life and then I'll try to, you know, like pinpoint, okay, where's the epicenter of this? What, what is that thing? Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing is that I do take this to prayer too. And I will ask God like, Hey, what lack I yet (laughs) show me, show me what else there is for me. What am I, what am I missing? Can you show me the thing? Um, and when I stay in that state, he always shows it to me. And oftentimes he shows it to me through other people. So I was having a conversation with my uncle once and I love my family. I have a great family. My husband says they're hillbillies. It's a little (laughs) bit true, but they're really good people. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They are kind. um, They are helpful. Like they're really good people. And I was with my uncle once and he said to me the exact, exact belief that was limiting me that I couldn't find. Mm. And it was this, he said to me, you know, Amy, it's okay for you to work as a, as a mom and as a wife, it's okay for you to work for your family to get by. It's just not okay for you to work to get ahead. And I was like, Oh, that's it. That's the thing that keeps my business stuck and keeps Mm -hmm. my business small. And it's this, and it was this old generational belief that, 
you know, a mom's role is to be the caregiver and be the stay at home mom. And every woman in my family always did stuff. They always like, you know, did washing for somebody else or sewing, or they all had things that they were doing to make money, but it never got their family ahead. It just got them to scraping by. Mm -hmm. And that was not a rule for me. You know, it was like, oh, that's, I I, I see it. Thank you for saying it. That is clearly not a rule for me because I have been called to a different version of this mission, which is to believe that motherhood is divine Mm -hmm. and believe that that's the most important thing that I do and to be a positive light in the world and to help a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. thank you for saying it. I see it, you know, (laughs) and I love you and I love all the people who followed that rule, but that rule is being broken today. Yeah, And I kind of like breaking rules. So, you know. Wow. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I I really like the way you phrase that because it gives it gives it makes it not such an like overwhelming like where do I even begin type deal. You know what I mean? It's like okay, I could I could do that step by step, right? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, good stuff. Good stuff. Good this stuff. is a juicy one. Yeah. I feel like I have something else. A final thing to say. I can see it. It's ruminating in your eyes. Yes. Um, I think. It's something like this. There's there comes a point where you just have to declare something finished. Mm-hmm. It's always going to bring up sadness for me. The death of, for example, my father or my brother. It's always going to yeah. bring up sadness. Um, and it'll be different layers. I'm not, I don't know that I'll ever be done with that. Right. I am done ruminating though. Mm-hmm. in it on it whatever right it's like okay I get it right um the there was a time in early early in my career where there was this feast or famine thing that would happen in my business and I was like man this, this is just part of the course it's just what happens and there came a point where I was like I'm done with that they, I'm gonna lift the floor and I'm gonna lift the ceiling and if I'm gonna have feast or famine it's gonna be up here Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Above the freak out line, above the poverty line, above the just scraping by line. Like we're we're done with this just scraping by line. We're not not there no more. Um, Just and just declaring it finished. And um, that's part of that healing momentum for me as well, that it's like you do understand. That you have way more resources and way more umph and grit then you give yourself credit for. Mm-hmm. And you have survived 100% of your bad days. And there have been things, I think everybody mm-hmm. can attest to this, where you're looking at the, and you're in the middle of the storm and you're like, I don't know, I'm going to get through this. Yeah. And you got through it. Yes. And so the next time that there's another storm and another storm, they're not as devastating. And it's not because I've gotten more cynical. It's because I've gotten better prepared. It's because I'm more resilient. It's because I'm more patient with myself because I've given myself grace because I can see something coming and I brace myself or whatever the case may be. That's the gift of perspective. This is why it takes 40 years to be a 40 year old. You can't shortcut that. (laughs) Um, And so it's like, yeah, you know, part of that healing momentum is that I have to not take my foot off my gas pedal for where God wants me to go. Mm-hmm. that's part of it too. It's like, you don't, you don't have to fix nothing. You don't have, there's no extraordinary thing I'm asking you to do that. You're not capable of doing. I just need you to keep your pedal to the metal. 
Yeah. I like it. I love how you said at some point you just have to let it be the end too. That's actually one of my things that I do is when I've gone through the healing process, I have, I like to keep a little journal that just says the end. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. And so (laughs) then whenever these old experiences come up, I'm like, Oh, okay. That story. Yeah. Yeah. The end. We already got to the end of that. We're good. And I just like lit in its little notebook the end. And I just will pick it up and then put it back down and then I can move on because you really do. You have to let, you have had all of these experiences for a reason. And I do believe that the experiences we have are ultimately for our greatest good. That doesn't mean that they're not painful, but when we're holding on to the pain, we're missing the purpose Mm -hmm. and we have to move forward. We have to be like, I'm done with the pain, but I will take the purpose. I will take the lessons and I'm going to use that to move forward, to be a better stronger, more capable version. And, uh, it's not just a life principle. This is a business principle. My friends, you, yeah. if you have made mistakes in your business and you are holding on to that mm-hmm. and you have not yet forgiven yourself, you will not take the next risk mm-hmm. um, with, and, and then let's be clear. The next time you take the risk, you're going to do it with a lot more education because of the last one when you failed. Yeah. Do you know, I actually had someone ask me when it, I had one of those experiences this weekend where someone asks how something's going and you tell them the truth and you see their eyes get big. Like, I did not want you to tell me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And he, he asked me how business was going and I told him the truth, which was like, I made some mistakes this quarter and it was expensive and it's been a little bit of extra stressful. I was like, but I learned a lot from those mistakes and now I know what to do next. And I feel really good about that. And he got these mm-hmm. big guys like, I didn't actually want the truth. I was like, oh, this is a surface question. Got it. Sorry. (laughs) I was going deep. (laughs) Right. Wow. That's awesome. I really like that. Because when you were, when I asked you how you were doing and you gave me something like an authentic share, I was like, okay, we we can work with that. This is something we can do. Right. This is where it's been. (laughs) This is what I learned. This is where I'm going. And that's, that's what it's all about. So we would love to hear from you guys. Leave us your comments, like the channel, subscribe, um, and make sure that you connect with us so that we can continue the conversation. I am at Amy Walker Coach and Monica is at Dr. Monica. No, it's at mm-hmm. Monica Ogondo. Mm-hmm. I always want to throw the doctor in because mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you for having two PhDs. <laughs> oh, well, you know. Just two. The, Five more. Can, can I tell you my reason for it? It's just that yeah. there are some people when then you say Dr. Monica Orlando, they'll spell doctor or some people do DR or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, just no confusion. Just Monica Orlando. I'm it's, just it's waiting bad for enough people... with the spelling of Monica. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just waiting for people to start giving me honorary doctorates because I don't want to do all the work to get, get one the way you did. But hey, Plenty of our colleagues have gone that way. <laughs> if anyone's throwing some out, like I'm, I'm happy mm-hmm. to receive. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. Thank you for being with us. We talk to you soon.